This is At Risk Radio. Welcome to At Risk Radio. At Risk Radio is a show where we talk about leadership in the church at risk. My name is Mark Stafford. I'm the host of the show. I'm here with David Witt. He's the CEO of SOM International. And with Dan, he's the CEO of Open Doors International. Now, David, let's start out with you, man. How have you come to know Dan over the years? Yeah, well, good morning, Mark. This is so fun to have a guy that's come in my life the last few years and I consider it an honor to have gotten to know him, um, to really have develop a friendship because Dan and I have talked. And one thing I've found is being a CEO of a 501c3 nonprofit, let alone a Christian organization, let alone an organization that focuses yeah. on the persecuted and unreached. It's a really niche area. And, and to find uh, <laughs> other leaders that can, you can really fellowship with and share yeah. your heart in common struggles, common goals, common joys. It was such a rich treasure to find Mm -hmm. on my path to really get to know Dan. And and so Dan's over Open Doors International, amazing organization, uh, well-respected around the world. And um, he and I collaborate together with RLP, which Mark, you and I have talked about that on the the right. radio before religious liberties uh, partners in about a hundred organizations that are similar hearted. And so our, we just had a meeting a couple months ago and I asked Dan to come on to share his heart because he is a, a leader of leaders and, mm-hmm. and he, and he loves the Lord Jesus and we have that passion in common. And so again, Dan, welcome to At Risk Radio, and thanks for coming on board with us. Yeah, so Dan, tell us a little bit about Open Doors International and and how you got involved with Open Doors. Well, first, a big thank you, David, and big thank you to you, Mark. This is such a wonderful opportunity to share together. I joined Open Doors uh, about five and a half years ago. I was living here in Kenya at the time when I was approached by a recruiter who said, we think you should apply for this role. And my first question was, can I do it from Kenya? And he said, yeah, I think so. And so I went ahead and applied. I was really having fun. It was a wonderful group of people on the search committee. Actually, the chair is an American called Roger, wonderful brother. And so I went through all the steps and they said to me, look, you're about to go into the penultimate interview and you have to agree to live in either the US, the UK or the Netherlands. And I, I said to my wife, I should pull out. You know, I don't want to live in, you know, we want to live in Kenya. Anyway, we prayed about it, really sought the Lord and agreed that, A, I didn't have the job. B, I was really having fun with this group of believers in Christ. And I had nothing to lose by carrying on. So I carried on. Anyway, uh, I was eventually offered the role. But let me tell you a testimony to do with that, because uh, that's really the focus of this podcast. Uh, I was right. in the church service of our church here in Nairobi. I had just applied at the Dutch embassy for the visa to go for the final interview. The lady there said to me, I said to her, ma'am, can I get my visa in six days? She said, it's impossible, sir. It takes 10 days. I said, ma'am, I've got to be in the Netherlands in six days. She said, well, I'm sorry, but it takes 10 days. I left her with my passport and I was sitting in church uh, a few days after that. And during the intermission break, when they do the announcements at church, I, I sometimes zone out. I'm sorry to say, you know, it's it's you know, it's just running, right? And there's an announcer. <laughs> and I was seated there, my wife next to me, and I just started talking to the Lord. I said, Lord, I really don't know if this is your call to me. And the Lord answered me right away. He said, Dan, I have given you that job. That's, you know, he said it. He, it was so direct, a voice in my heart, that I sat up. 
And I said, wow, I'm really spending too much time thinking about this role. My imagination is a bit, you know, running wild. And the Lord spoke to me a second time. He said, son, it is not your imagination. It is me, the Lord, speaking to you. And so I actually wow. bowed my head and I, and I repented. I said, Lord, forgive me, because as your sheep, I did not know it was your voice. And, mm. and so I just felt, you know, the Lord's love and comfort and forgiveness in my heart. And sure enough, anyway, uh, the rest is history, as they say, because I did get the role. Here I am. So I have a real calling to open doors. You know, I know that I didn't just walk into a job, but the Lord has called me to this. You know, Dan, you're, you're bringing up a, a great biblical point we see from all the way from really before Abraham, you know, Abraham's being a, a big mark the calling of Christ and mm. how important it is we as leaders aren't called by the world. Because if we're called by the world, we're, we're the world's workers. But if we're called by Christ, we're Christ's workers. Amen. And uh, let's back up a little bit. Give us, if you can, some context of when you started hearing from the Lord of understanding, recognizing that call. Yeah, thank you. I received Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior when I was 14 years old. It was actually at a Word of Life Bible camp here in Nairobi. And the call to receive Christ was made very clearly by the man who preached that night. And I, my dad, I had grown up in a home where dad would read the Bible to us and lead us in prayer, but I had never made that personal commitment to follow him, not because I didn't want to. I had just never received that invitation, I guess, you know, and so at this camp, the leader put the invitation and I was very shy as a young person. And he said, you know, put up your hand. I did. Then he said, walk forward. I thought, oh man, this is the death of me. Walk forward. It was already bad enough putting up my hand. Anyway, I said, Lord, I believe in you. I walked forward and prayed with a brother, you know, that personal prayer. And I received the Lord Jesus Christ. I was going to a mission school called Rift Valley Academy. It was founded in 1909. The foundation stone was laid by former U.S. President Teddy Roosevelt on one of his hunting safaris out here. He was pulled in by the principal who had met him and said, hey, come and honor us. And he did. And so it's a great school. And Actually, uh, it's a Christian school, and so I was discipled there by my teachers, went to Bible studies, learned to really read the Bible on my own and pray. But I'll tell you where I grew the most in Christ was my first and second year of college in Taylor University in Indiana. I worked at the security office of the school. There was a man there called Randy Smith who was a permanent employee. You know, I was just part-time as a student. Randy took me under his wings, and he was my spiritual mentor. And he discipled me. He gave me A.W. Tozier's books to read. And he, wow. you know, he, we would read the Bible together and study it. So my faith just grew. And I became so grounded in Christ in those early years. Randy, God bless him. I, I've lost contact with him. But that man made an incredible difference in my life. Well, hey, uh, David, we, uh, we got to run to a break here real quick. Uh, I'm here with David Witt, the CEO of SOM International, and Dan, the CEO of Open Doors International. When we get back, we'll hear more about what God is doing through Open Doors International. We'll be right back. At Risk Radio. Every Sunday in America, over 60 million people freely walk into the doors of a church fellowship. But not everyone enjoys this kind of social freedom. Christians face harassment in 145 countries around the world. Some even give their lives today because of their faith in Jesus. Persecution is harsh. Women and children 
are the most vulnerable of all people groups. But be inspired that your family in Christ is boldly sharing love and hope, despite local officials doing everything they can to silence them. In fact, let me assure you that our prayers today bring them comfort and love. Thank you for standing with our persecuted family. To stay informed and to help assist, go to spiritofmartyrdom.com. Welcome back to At Risk Radio. I'm online with David Witt. David Witt is the CEO of SOM International. I'm also online with Dan. He is the CEO of Open Doors International. We just heard from Dan and his testimony about how he came to know Christ and how he came to be called to a ministry like Open Doors International. Now, and David, you've had you are like minded with Dan. Mm. You're also running yeah. this kind of organization. And tell us a little bit what goes through your mind as you hear him talk. Well, I, Dan always gives me a smile because I just the similarities in our story and our hearts. Mm. Uh, it just feels like you know the friend I didn't know for years. I think it's it's nice to have that community of passion. And you know, I I was kind of Mark. I was thinking about his story, how Open Doors picked him out of Africa, and I thought, yeah. boy, they don't realize how biblical that is. I just got back this week from Africa, and I get mm. it was great. We're in the car in our transfer. We're talking about the biblical things and their a transfer set the record straight of how biblical Africa is and uh, and so this is this is he's such a candidate because he pointed out Abraham was received uh, in in Africa. He went to Africa with Sarah during, and they saved him during the the drought. And of course, then we get that continual lineage where uh, ultimately Joseph is the ruler over Africa. Moses is African. He's raised. Uh, he's educated. He's African. And you go on and on and on about the rich heritage of Africa. Ultimately, even hosting our Lord Jesus during his uh, young years. And so I, I Dan, I have to say they made a good choice of getting you as an African. African brother right in the heart of much persecution, in fact, obviously in North Africa focused. And so, Dan, yeah, I, I just love it that God's given you the mantle, that leadership. Can you now kind of help us step into how did God start getting your heart and even equipping you for leadership to the persecuted church? There's a, Obviously in Kenya, there's a lot of directions you could have taken, you know, just serving the Lord. There's a lot of many needs. You end up serving the persecuted church. Tell us about that process. Yeah, thank you. The Lord works in His own ways. I remember sitting in our church service here in Nairobi again many, many years ago. I think it was early 90s. And a missionary, a local missionary, a Kenyan who was working in northern Kenya, he was speaking in church that morning. And he told the whole congregation about his life as an evangelist and how he was uh, full of joy for Christ he was telling people about the Lord Jesus Christ, but he said he was facing persecution. He had been stoned. He had been spit upon. He had been insulted. Mm. And I, I really just paid. I was, it was riveting because mm. I was listening to a man speaking about Kenya, a country which is majority Christian. And mm. up to that point, I had not heard a, a Christian ever talk about being persecuted uh, in a country like Kenya. And so I actually, after listening to him, I said to my wife, darling, we need to give our monthly tithe to support this missionary because he is doing what the Lord calls each of us to do, to go to the ends of the earth and to share the love of Jesus with others. And so we supported, uh, we gave our tithe designated towards that missionary for many, many years after that. So that was my first exposure, you could say, to the persecuted church. 
And then as when I worked with World Vision, World Vision worked in countries where obviously there is persecution. World Vision does not focus on that, but it doesn't ignore it either because World Vision is a Christian organization. And so I met many people in my travels with World Vision who I could tell they were believers in Christ in a majority other religion context. And they sometimes had to keep that hush hush. And in fact, at one point, I actually worked in, uh, I won't mention the name of the country, uh, but David knows it because we've talked about it. But I worked in a country where believers suffer and are persecuted for their faith. And in those days, we did meet with believers who are obviously underground. And we fellowship together, we pray together, we read the word of God together. But that wasn't part of my job with World Vision. That was the things I did outside my job. But it was part of God's job, you know, God's kingdom and his calling to every believer in Christ. So that was really, I would say, the next deepest exposure that I had Mm -hmm. through the persecuted church. Yeah, Dan. Yeah, isn't it interesting, I think, for all of us, when we look back, we see the ways and the steps that God prepared our hearts for future service and, and how we have that context to help us in wisdom and experience and empathy at times, even the suffering that we go through. Um, also, I want to bring out one other part of your, the thumbnail of your story that I think the listeners would be encouraged by and may give perspective. Is that, as you mentioned your wife, I know you have some children. Dan, would you mention how does serving the persecuted church and all the work that you've done, how has that impacted even your children, your marriage. I mean, there's a sacrifice. Uh, we, you know, everybody understands it comes along with that service. Has it been a positive thing? Has it been a negative? How have you navigated through that? What's what's some thoughts towards that for people, the listening audience? Oh yeah, definitely. Well, the country that I mentioned where we lived, uh, I was there with my family, my wife Nellie, and our three children, and we all loved that country immensely and loved the people. And we said it regularly. And in fact, that was when I, it was in that country that I started saying to myself and others, I said, you cannot share the love of Christ with people that you don't love. Mm. Wow. And, and therefore we love those people and, and we said it to them regularly and we showed it in how we were hospitable and how we, you know, we cared for people when they had material needs, etc. So our children and my wife and I were really impacted by that. And, and our children often would see people coming to our house and us sitting with them and, and discreetly having discussions about who Jesus is. And, and there was also a risk. I mean, I remember one time I walked out of my, our house And there was a man standing next to the motor vehicle that belonged to the company I just referred to. And, you know, it had the big logo on the side. And the man said to me, this is illegal. And he was pointing at the logo of that Christian organization. And he said, this is illegal in this country. And I said, and I, and I thought, how do I deflect this man's attention? Because, you know, I didn't know whether he was carrying an arm, you know, on his body because he had the big robe. And and so I spoke to him very gently and said, well, you know, the government has allowed us to operate. And therefore, as far as I'm concerned, you know, we we are allowed and we can work here and they know exactly who we are. And he kept pointing aggressively and saying, yeah, but this is not allowed. You know, this is a country of this religion and you cannot show this cross here. And and so I talked to him, just reasoning with him, buying Mm. time. And then I eventually said to him, look, excuse me a minute. I just need to pop back in. So I went back into through the gate of our house and got on the other side and just stood there watching him through, you know, the little uh, crack in the gate. 
And I said, I'll just see if he'll disappear. And eventually he did. Uh, and then I went back to my <laughs> office. But uh, there are risks. Uh, thankfully, my family has not faced, you know, the really serious risks that our persecuted brothers and sisters face. Uh, actually, my successor, by the way, in that country, he was shot with a pistol and the bullet went through the lower part of the fleshy part of his arm, left arm, and exited and, and hit the, uh, the chest of his, I think, nine-year-old daughter who was seated next oh, to him. Jeez. And he, and oh, wow. he, but there's a wonderful redemptive story there because what happened is the man who shot him was eventually arrested, put in jail, and that dear brother who was my successor went to see him in jail with his wife carrying a Bible and they gave him a Bible in jail, and they told him, we love you, we forgive you, and we have brought you the word Amazing. of God. And so you see, wow. the Lord redeems those kinds of situations. Amen. He, do, he does, Dan. You and I see those things so often. And again, the main things we have in common is this country, because that's where I just got back from this week. And I just wanted to affirm your comment about love. I mean, and, and I just read Proverbs, how you return a gentle answer. You know, turns away wrath, Amen. and and you turned away wrath. That he was looking for an argument there, but yeah. I, I asked one of our translators from the country we're talking about in in North Africa. There, ultimately, the greater region. You know, I, I asked us translator. You know, I've interviewed hundreds of Muslim background believers, but and I and I have in my own mind. I told him what I think is the the secret of transformation of Jesus. I said, what what do, what for you is that? And he said, it's love. He says Islam offers no love. And it's when we see the love of Christ. And I said, that's exactly what I noticed a few years ago. The one thing in my in all the interviews I did was one way or another that the Muslim background believers felt love from God and love from others. And I think sometimes we try to get, as leaders, we try to get too much confidence in our own intellect, in our own arguments, our own understanding of Scripture, our own understanding of the Quran, possibly. And, and yet those things are so empty compared to when we really love somebody. And you said that, uh, living in that nation, I was the lo- loving them. Them was the credibility of your leadership, really, what I heard. So thank you for sharing that. Amen. Amen. And can I just add this, uh, Dave, because maybe audiences would want to read that book, but that brother uh, who I just referred to, he wrote a book called Dangerous Love out of that mm. that experience and that ministry that he was able to provide to the man who tried to kill him. Okay. So can that mm. be found on online then, Dangerous Love? It can be found online. Okay. Dangerous love. Yeah. I know we're going to have to go out, Dan. Dan, let's make sure we, if anybody wants to get a hold of you, the website you'd like to leave or to go ahead and mark and you're going to take us out. But yeah. yeah. So, well, there's a few things. Uh, well, we want to encourage you, our listeners, as you step out and becoming a better leader in the kingdom of God. So we want to invite you to get involved with those who risk much for Jesus. You can get involved by subscribing to our newsletter. And in that newsletter it comes out every month and it features stories of those who are serving on the front lines in the most restricted areas in the world. You can sign up for that at atriskradio.com. Uh, Dan, if people want to get to know you and Open Door International, where can they go on the internet to find out more about what Open Doors does? Uh, yeah, they can go to opendoorsus, opendoorsus.org. Okay. And yeah, our leader there is um, Ryan Brown. He's the one who takes mm-hmm. care of our U.S. ministry. So that'd be the best best way to get in touch. Perfect. So opendoorsus.org. Yeah. Right? Yeah. 
Perfect. Well, hey, you can also uh, help this podcast by subscribing to it, by sharing it with a friend, by leaving a comment. If you have a question for us, uh, we'd love to answer those online. And lastly, At Risk Radio and SOM International are, well, they're funded by you. Uh, We're supported as you sign up to be a monthly donor or as you buy books. Well, really, you donate towards books in our bookstore and you can donate towards the bookstore at, and now it's at SOM Bookstore, SOMBookstore.com is our new bookstore address. Mark? Oh, yeah. David, one last comment. Well, I just want to make sure that we people understand we're keeping, this is so good, we're going to keep Dan on the line and this is episode yep. one, so we're going to encourage everybody to come back for episode two to really talk more in depth about what Open Doors is doing and what Dan's uh, excited about his vision. Hopefully, everybody can tune in next week. All right, so stay tuned. We'll get to part two. So for now, my name is Mark Stafford and this has been At Risk Radio. You've been listening to At Risk Radio. For more, go to atriskradio.com. At Risk Radio is a production of SOM International.